This month's Where Did the Road Go is sponsored by three awesome people. Ellison Cook, Super Inframan, and 36 Dingo. If you want to help support the show, become a Patreon at wheredidtheroadgo.com. You get extra stuff all month, shows a week early, and much, much more. And now our show. Transmission start. Welcome to Where Did the Road Go? Join us as we wander off the path and explore lost history, consciousness, the paranormal, unexplained mysteries, alternative thought, and much more. We are present on the web at wheredidtheroadgo.com. Now here is your host, Soraya. Welcome to this edition of Where Did the Road Go? And tonight I am joined by Mr. Christopher Ernst. Hey there, everybody. Super Inframan. Hello, hello. Sometimes known as Saxon. Sometimes known as Saxon. And back for the first time since his original appearance on the show, AP Strange. Hey, what's up? And you were on originally with Magonia Research Group. Yep, yep. So, that was probably over over a year ago. I two years so. ago. Yeah, something like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah. And I've been wanting to have you back ever since. So I just never got around to reaching out to you. Oh, th- that's very nice to hear. <laughs> I'm glad I made an impression. <laughs> and uh, and it, you should you're gonna have to tell people the story of your name. Oh, right. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, when I first wanted to kind of reach out to uh, like a public sphere on Twitter and have people to talk to about all the weird stuff I've been reading about for my whole life, uh, I, I decided to pick a name for the Twitter account to anonymize myself. Uh, I tried to pick something grandiose and kind of arcane sounding and came up with aficionado prodigiosis, which um, to my mind just kind of meant like somebody with really good taste in bizarre and uh, outstanding stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and then the the full title was purveyor of the strange was like the secondary part of that. But then people just started calling me AP and AP strange became an easier to spell, pronounce and remember <laughs> name. So that's, <laughs> that's kind of where that all came from. So I like it. I, I, I do. Uh, well, I appreciate that, but uh, I mean, I, I've mispronounced prodigiosis enough times <laughs> trying to say it that it's kind of embarrassing. I'm like, I came up with that. And I can't even pronounce it. <laughs> well, I mean, the AP strange. I like, I like the feel uh, of that. Yeah, I like that. Too. So, like when I started a blog, that's that's what really where that solidified because I was like. I can't really be aficionadoprodigiosis.com. Like, that's not going to work. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to find your own site half the time. Right. And neither would anybody else. Right. So, um, exactly. If I want no hits on my blog, then I should call it that. So I, I, when I when I changed it to apstrange.com, I'm like, oh, that's got a good ring to it, pretty much. So that's that's what happened. Nice. Yeah. All right. And then you're still technically involved with the Magonia Research Group, but you just aren't super active over there at this point. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, those guys do a lot of really cool things over there. Uh, That's part of it is they just do so much. I can't keep up with everything in the Discord. (laughs) There's always like new stories and discussions happening, and I just feel lost in there. um, I I kind of Discord isn't something I was never really like a gamer or anything. Yeah. uh, So. having multiple channels of stuff just happening all the time is is just overwhelming for me it's really hard to keep up with but yeah. I, I like to dip in once in a while and just kind of look at the stories they're talking about 
and uh, feel kind of bad that I'm not as active as I used to be. But, you know, life and work and all the other stuff kind of take precedence. And that, that's kind of how I am with Discord. I mean, there's there's a, a Discord for Where Did the Road Go, which is linked on wheredtheroadgo.com, but I don't I don't jump in there very often, and I think that's a, that's a problem because, you know, I'm not keeping it going because I just, I don't have time or I don't have a lot of time for social media, you know, like, and right. when, when I get in there, I'm not always sure, like what to talk about. Like I'm, I, I can't Twitterify myself for one. Like I can't, I don't have like short condensed, you know, things to, 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 to post. Yeah. I, I totally hear that. I'm, I'm way more long winded. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, problems I, I have with social media very much. So I'm sorry. Go ahead, Saxon. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Chris. I, I was just saying uh, I'm the same way. I end up sharing more like, you know, odd images I find or something like that because I want to write three paragraphs about a topic, but I don't have time to do that. So I just yeah. end up sharing goofy stuff. Out uh, of time. <laughs> well, you know, that's uh, that's one of the reasons I liked Twitter to begin with. That was the attraction for me was the character limit because uh-huh. it was like a um, it was almost like a writing exercise teaching myself how to write more succinctly by uh confining it to a tweet you know right right mm-hmm. yeah yeah you're not the first person i've heard to say something similar to that and it does make total sense yeah because otherwise i'll just go off on a tangent and i don't end up making the point i meant to make <laughs> <laughs> and it really kind of has trained me to stick to the point and and um i think you know as uh, i don't write as much as i would like to but the writing i do now is better i think for or that kind of uh, that kind of exercise. So, hmm. the uh, yeah, I, I mean, I try to be more active in the Discord and stuff, but I go in there and either no one's posted in a while, or there's so much posted, I'm like, I can't, I don't have time to read all this right now. Much less comment on it after the fact. Exactly. And then, like I said, I feel bad because people, you know, have joined it because they like where the road go, and I, and I, and I, that's awesome. I just wish <laughs> I had more time to actually, dev- you know, devote to this stuff. Right. So I, I do have moments where I'll drop in and I'll just read a discussion. I won't comment, but you know, the folks that participate in the Discord have some really interesting ideas and oh, yeah. stories. Yeah. And so, oh, yeah. Fun to read through. So uh, I wish even, I had time <laughs> to, yeah, to yeah. engage. So um, you are doing, you are involved with something called Liminal Earth. Yep. And yeah. Tell people about that. Sure. Um, <clears throat> it began as Liminal Seattle uh, a number of years ago, and and it was basically like a crowdsourced project online to put using like uh, Google Google Earth as a backdrop or Google Maps. <laughs> They have like a, a spread where you can drop pins on places where you had a weird experience. Um, and I started following them when they were still Liminal Seattle. And then when they opened it up to Liminal Earth, I was like, oh, man, I got to get involved with this stuff. Like <laughs> their original idea was to have ambassadors all over the world that could like represent their their area. So um, as soon as they mentioned that, I'm like, I call Massachusetts. So <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, the ambassador thing is a little less formal than it than it was. I mean, that was kind of a cool idea for a while. Um, but uh, now, now it's just become like this whole community. And um, they've uh, the the three main people behind it are Jeremy Puma and Garrett Kelly, who started it, and uh, Bex Atwood, who's a, a paranormal investigator and uh, scientist type. The, the three of them do a lot of the stuff together, and they get into a lot of a lot of really oddball, uh, out there ideas 
that that are really kind of creative and fun and their their whole idea is to um to re-mythologize the landscape and bring some magic and and wonder back into the into the world mm-hmm. so um so i love them for that you know and i love talking to them and uh as a matter of fact, right now they're doing uh, their Wednesday night UFO watch based on the idea that John Keel had of um, oh, yeah. Wednesday, Wednesday nights being the best time to see one. Every Wednesday night they do a live stream where they're uh, um, out looking for UFOs and and uh, everybody's doing the same thing and they can just sit there and chat with each other while they're doing it. So. <laughs> I wonder if that I wonder if that data holds true nowadays because I mean that was back in the the early seventies I think that he made that observation. Yep. Yeah. I mean it was in the Mothman prophecies. Um, okay. I wasn't sure if it was that or the eighth or the eighth hour. Yeah. It was it was the Mothman prophecy. So I think it was based on the sightings. It may may have actually just been the sightings that were happening in West Virginia at that time, or maybe just numbers at the time. So it would have been mid sixties, I guess, late sixties. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, that is curious. I mean, when you look at the numbers, it's only statistically a little bit more on Wednesday nights. You can play a lot of games with statistics, but um, yeah, whether or not it holds true, it's a fun thing to do. You know, oh, yeah, it's just, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, where, where are they doing the live stream? Is it on uh, Twitter, Instagram? Well, they have a Twitter and a Facebook, and they post the links up there. I okay. think there's. I think there's a separate website for it. Um, I can. And then there's like liminal.earth too, right? Liminal.earth is the map itself, and then you can. That's where you can cruise through. You can find your area on the map and find any weird things that have happened in the area, or you can share your own stories on there and um, and, and submit your own stories to the map, which of course we always encourage people to do. Because uh, it only just makes the map bigger and more fun. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So, yeah, it, it, it is very really cool. I, I really do love. I mean, I've always loved maps, and uh, uh, both in sort of the arcane way, but also just as like a, I don't know, as a device. There's something about them that's really interesting. Maybe it's that like Borges idea of, you know, the uh, the map that is the exceeds the scale of the territory you can get sort of philosophical about it but i really i really like the 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 liminal uh earth map very cool i I love how you made that arcane reference too chris because the the liminal earth map makes me think of looking at an old you know uh renaissance era map of someone going across the ocean and seeing sea monsters and everything on sure yeah you know and stuff like that it's almost sort of like a there's a seems like there's a direct connection between there if that makes sense well they actually do they they have released zines and pamphlets in the past that are kind of that motif, like the old cartography mot- motif. Yes. <laughs> so it's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, what what's the thing with the fruit? Okay. Um. I think I think this all goes back to when they first started the map and were promoting it. They mentioned like you could write it, it like because the stories they accept don't have to be paranormal in nature. They just have to be odd, or they had to have some kind of effect on you in some way. And they listed a bunch of different things you could report, like an interdimensional Bigfoot or a ghost or a UFO or a broccoli wizard. And I think they just made up broccoli wizard, whoever, mm-hmm. whichever one of them wrote that, just kind of <laughs> came up with broccoli wizard off the top of their head. But after that, they started finding reports of um, out of place uh, produce. So <laughs> they'd find like an orange by the side of the road or something like that. And that would become a map submission. So that became kind of a fun recurring theme. 
but the the best example of that is an is an ongoing place um, in well I don't think it's in Seattle proper I'd have to I'd have to go find it now but it's basically they keep finding a giant pile of peeled oranges and <laughs> uh, and there's this one spot in the woods where they they um, they keep finding the 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 um, <laughs> just I mean a really large pile of of peeled oranges and there doesn't seem to be an explanation for it, but it's happened more than once. (laughs) So, um, uh, I don't really know how to explain it more than that, but it's an ongoing thing that they keep investigating, keep going back there to see if there's, uh, more oranges. Yeah. That's, I think I, I think on one of, one of the, uh, orange, orange expeditions they did, they found a carton of orange juice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Almost like there was a trickster kind of um, yeah, yeah. poking <laughs> Troll, at a little bit, trolling them a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, yeah. You know that stuff. It, it makes me think of like uh, fey offerings and what have you, like that. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and I always kind of wonder, like, when you have the modern world encountering these things, uh, what does that look like? You know, and you end up with stuff like the uh, carton of orange juice there, not just, you know, the, the peels or the fruit or whatever, but something that's a little bit more, like, connected to contemporary times, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, uh, I think we do, we do have a fair amount of Fae-related stuff on the map as well. Um, that's definitely that's definitely a thing that that we talk about a lot uh, that comes up a lot in the in the liminal earth stuff is um, like fairy related mm-hmm. sighting sightings and stories. So yeah, right, yeah. So so um, uh, have you yourself had a lot of weird experiences? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, most of them not fruit related. <laughs> uh, <laughs> How strange. <laughs> Uh, I was at work one day in Worcester on the street and uh, found a random bag of marijuana on the ground and wondered if that might be uh, out of place produce, but I guess that doesn't count. (laughs) (laughs) If you're familiar with my hometown, it's pretty on brand. So so what's one of the weirdest things that's happened to you? Uh, Well, one that I put on the map, I, I consider this one of the weirdest ones because I don't really have a category to put it in. But uh, basically, it's a story of being struck by lightning. Uh, oh, wow. uh, <laughs> um, but I can't prove that that's what actually happened. But the whole thing surrounding it is I was in a band at the time and uh, the harmonica player in the band and I were driving down the street. And we were coming to an intersection on our way to a party at the um, front man's house. And we got to this intersection. It's like a summer, late in the day, kind of afternoon, and uh, just kind of hot and muggy out. Uh, we get to an intersection at, at the uh, south end of the city, and everybody has a red light for a really long time at this intersection. And everything is dead quiet and still. And there's people around. Um, there's people backed up at the intersection on every side. But nobody's getting really agitated. Nobody's like beeping horns, which is odd in of itself. But you can kind of see it sink in with everybody at the same time that everybody's had a red light for a really long time. Yeah. And there's no crosswalk lights going on or anything. And um, the mood was kind of like the Oz factor. It's something that occurred to me later. Is it just kind of seemed otherworldly and you know quiet, but not exactly peaceful, because <laughs> it was it was a little disconcerting. And um, out of a bright sunny sky, all of a sudden it seemed like clouds moved in from every direction over the intersection that we were at. 
and the sky was the the sun was blotted out like it got dark this dark cloud just kind of formed out of nowhere over the top of the intersection and um uh, there was a bright flash i heard what sounded like a popping noise right outside uh my buddy's car and um it was uh, like a huge crack of thunder all at the same time pretty much um and then the the sun broke through the clouds dissipated and the light turned green (laughs) wow (laughs) and we started we started driving and each of us had like our hair was sticking up like with static um like my our hairs were all sticking up and everything and it was just like did we just get hit by lightning so we show up at the party and we go inside and it's just like telling everybody that we got struck by lightning and nobody believes us because as far as they're concerned it's just been bright bright and sunny out there's been no clouds no rain or anything like that but uh i don't i don't have a category for that you know yeah wow that's (laughs) that is really interesting you didn't affect electronics afterwards did you uh well no um i i I suspect that i have not not that day anyway but um i I always have trouble with electronics (laughs) well even if you didn't get a direct lightning hit i mean if there's you know and again i'm i'm sure there are a bunch of people who want to poke holes in it because i'm uh talking about science stuff that i don't really understand but uh you know electricity there are a lot of ways that electricity can manifest itself and it's quite possible that you got zapped even if you didn't get uh like the full brunt of the you know the lightning striking you a la man of war zeus you know <laughs> yeah sword to the sky well we yeah we, later we looked and I realized that there was a piece of the undercarriage that was kind of dragging from my buddy's car um so i mean the car would have been grounded because of the tires but that one metal piece touching the ground would probably be enough for it to get hit you know but we would have been insulated enough inside that i guess it didn't yeah. hurt us you know but <laughs> Could have definitely given, by, like, we could have definitely so, given you a charge. Yeah. Right. Almost like you're in a Faraday sure. cage with a car yeah. around you. Pop open that pineal gland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just, I mean, I got other stories that are more paranormal, but that was just weird to me because, I mean, getting struck by lightning is weird enough. But um, uh, the, the fact that those clouds, it, it, like a giant black cloud appeared out of nowhere and that happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you uh, notice any like before or after? after effects like in the the week after or weeks after and or anything like that just around your life um i don't think so and so the the, the trouble with that is i immediately went to a party after and uh, yeah <laughs> yeah those yeah. were in my rock and rolling days <laughs> so like putting together a proper timeline of events back then is uh well, nigh impossible and, and, and pro- <laughs> probably you were already in a liminal sort of uh lifestyle anyway oh yeah for yeah. sure so yeah it's like um like jeff ritzman would talk about on on your show here where you're kind of living in a different, um, you know, staying up late at night and doing all this other stuff. Like the life of a musician is kind of outside of the the bounds of what normal people do anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I think all musicians are shamans, especially when you get into like the flow state while you're playing music and things. I mean, 100%. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of things that overlap there. It's the only time that I've, you know, uh, or not the only time, it's one of the times that I felt that, uh, the the you know that sort of loss of the loss of ego to some degree it's different though I mean it's you know different obviously than ethnogens or meditation but I've totally been there yeah man oh yeah yeah 
I mean, I was I was the lead guitar player, so I'd get lost in in the guitar solo. And um, I mean, I, I usually just didn't um, I didn't feel like I was present on stage when I was doing that. Like <laughs> sometimes when when when, it, when you'd really get into it, you just kind of uh, unify with everybody else that's playing, you know, and you don't really feel like yeah. like a separate entity. You know, you're all doing one thing. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely something that I I feel I realized that I've missed, you know, over the past several years, not having been playing live music with other people uh even before the pandemic you know made things weird um just the guys in the band that i was playing with we were had been moving to separate one of the guys lives in portland oregon very hard to play together and um i realized that like i miss like that that communication it's like uh uh it's being able to communicate musically with other people in that way that you can do when you are with a band of people that you've been playing with for a long time it's a very special type of communication and it's it's something that like my body i'm like missing it you know that non-verbal uh uh way of being with another uh with other other folks yeah absolutely yeah and I mean, I don't even really play anymore because uh, it was, um, I would feel that with some people I played with and then I, I kind of got to right. write my own songs and I'd have to like teach a band how to play them. Right, and, right. and then, you know, you'd, you'd play it, it would sound fine, but you didn't have that same feeling that you got with the guys that you really got along with. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. it has to be, I mean, like any sort of relationship, it has to be a certain people that you can really get kind of lost, you know, or, or have that way of that nonverbal communication and not like dictating. All right, I want you to do uh, you know, minor third here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so what yeah. what would be more of your uh standard paranormal fare that you've experienced? Okay. Um I know last time I was on I, I brought up the the earliest one I had was a pair of uh luminous entities at the end of my bed when I was a kid mm. that asked me a series of questions and I I think I remember not getting into it too much because I didn't want to dominate. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. So um uh yeah, that that was that was my earliest experience and it was something that kind of put me on the path that I'm that I'm at, you know, uh, or on now. So do you, do you know what kind of questions they asked you uh very mundane ones uh so i woke up and you get the pair of lights at the end of my bed and um what they were asking me was just basically like who are you and like where are you uh what is this place like very It occurred to me later in life that they sound like the kinds of questions that a ghost hunter would be asking when they're trying to get EVP recordings. Ah, yeah. Mm. Which made me wonder if this was like an echo from the future of ghost hunters that somehow are just communicating with me as a child in the past. Or, or another universe. Right. An alternate yeah. universe where there's ghost hunters and what they're getting is just, you know, five-year-old me. <laughs> on the top bunk of a bed that I share with my brother, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, um yeah, it was strange and it was almost like I told them my full name and when they asked where I was, I told them the complete address of the house cuz these are things that like, you know, when you're like 5, you just you, you learn you, <laughs> you, yeah. you, you, you yeah. learn how to respond to adults when they ask questions. Um 
And that's kind of how I thought of it. But I had a, had a playful thing with it. Like I kind of wanted to play with them. And then um, when they asked like, why, I think it was more like, why, or what are you doing here? I was just like, well, it's my room. Like I live here, you know? And that's when they like started drifting away. So it was almost like declaring ownership over that space drove them off. Hmm. So they started going out toward the window. And to me, it was like really unfair. I'm like, well, well I don't I get to ask questions? I thought we were playing a game here. You know, <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> come back. And um, I tried to like say something or stop them. And I got really drowsy and fell backwards onto the pillow. Um, mm -hmm. And this is where it gets weird if this wasn't weird enough already <laughs> right. um because I, in that in that instant i could see myself hitting the pillow and i went out the window after them mm. um oh and um yep. when i when i uh the next thing i was aware of was just a bunch of party balloons and when the balloons kind of cleared i could see like the golden arches of a mcdonald's situated in the center of the town i grew up in mm -hmm. and that then I woke up. So that part was a dream. And I thought about the whole thing as just being a dream. But uh, a lot of it really kind of stuck with me. And I remember telling like my cousin about it. I probably told my folks and they probably brushed it off. I'm not sure. But um, the weird thing was that there was no McDonald's in the center of my town. Huh. Um, I don't remember what was there when I was a kid, but I don't think really anything. Uh, several years later, they built a McDonald's in the spot where I dreamed it was. Interesting. Oh, and, interesting. I, and I noticed that it was going <laughs> up. And I made a comment about it. My mom said, yeah, we're going to have your birthday party there um, in a couple of uh, weeks. Because uh, balloons. Right. It was the, what, yeah, exactly. There were balloons there when we had the party. And they had one of those like play places with the ball pit and all that other stuff. Um, because in the 80s, uh, the 80s McDonald's, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, that was the jam, man. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Hamburglar, so, uh, all that stuff out there. But, uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> So, I mean, and that's what really made me start thinking about that again. And um, it reminded me of that experience as a kid was the fact that the the whole the whole encounter could have been a dream, right? Like where I am encountering luminous entities and then I astral project and then I, uh, you know, all of that's just a dream, but it's still a premonition. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't. I, to this day, I still don't know what that whole experience was, but um, that's, I think that really opened my eyes at a very young age to a lot of possibilities, you know? Yeah. 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 We don't even know what dreams are. I mean, right. I hate, you know, when I hear somebody say just a dream and I mean this in, in, you know, in support of you, like, I think that it's, uh, you know, that's, that's very important. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there not was, just, go ahead. I just said, not just a dream. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. There's plenty of dreams that are just kind of like subconscious dumps of the day, yeah. you know, or yeah. things you're stressed about, but yeah, dreams hold so much more to them. And there's so many different levels of dreams and so many different things I think that happen to us when we're asleep. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most of our day is just sort of, you know, if you think about one's day in the conscious waking world, a lot of it is sort of reactive noise in the same way that, you know, you have that sort of these subconscious dumps. I think that, you know, yeah. when you consider the dream state as being having sort of this equal equal validity in terms of what you're getting, you know, being uh, 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 relevant or, you know, part of, of even if it's a very hidden part of your unconscious. Um, uh, I really I've been trying to stress that a lot uh, with people that I've been talking about, uh, uh, people I've been talking with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
No, have you guys ever had premonition dreams? Oh, tons of them. Right. I, I, I have mm-hmm. I have premonition dreams, but I also have dreams where I'm given information about things. Mm-hmm. Like they're mm-hmm. not. Right. I'm not experiencing what's going to happen. I'm being given very specific information that then comes, you know, that then hits a certain, uh, at a certain point. Right. So yeah. does that have a different feel to it though? Yes. And, oh yeah. Normal. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that's how I feel too. Cause I've had other dreams that were premonitions and it doesn't feel like a dream, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, right. Aside from the dreams that I've had where it's, I, I'm fairly certain that I've been astrally projecting or how, whatever term you want to use for that. Um, which really only happened, uh, mainly when I was a kid, as an adult, I've had a lot of these dreams where I'll have a dream about a very specific uh, location, really like uh, the the amount of sort of uh, emotional weight that I feel in engaging with these particular environments uh, and sometimes like the houses, uh, particularly the houses and these like structures that are in there uh, um, that are within these houses. Um, it's very complex, but, you know, uh, I guess the long and short of it is, is that I've had numerous uh, dreams of this ilk and I'll wake up with this really strong image in my head and these really intense feelings. And then maybe like two years later, something will happen that has nothing to do with that particular dream or the structure, but it will spark those emotions. And I will start thinking of uh, the structure and sort of, you know, the, the images from that dream. And I haven't had anything that is, you know, like the, I guess the imagery from the dreams hasn't yet resonated completely uh, or resonated or seen anything sort of like isomorphic here in uh, the waking world. Uh, but I don't know, you know, I've got some years ahead of me, so we'll see. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> this, this will sound heavy, but it, it I, I, don't worry about it. But, uh, you know, my, my dad passed away when uh, I was in college and he'd had cancer for a bit. And I would have dreams where he and I were getting together to go build a house for him to go to. Um, and, you know, it was one of those things where like, well, you're the only person that can come here with me to get this ready. Uh, mm. But those are the dreams I had before he passed away. And of course, the whole time we didn't actually think he was going to die, but he did. Um, but a lot of uh, my relationship with dreams and lucid dreaming or astral projection or, or whatever uh, stem from around that. Wow. Hmm. I mean, there is this the, this notion, you know, particularly, I think, in some uh, Buddhist interpretations of, of death that you are, or, and obviously, you know, what we know of Egyptian, um, uh, practices, this idea of building the house or like building something for yourself to exist in the afterlife, be it like, you know, you have to build the diamond body or, you know, there's, you know, you're, you're building sort of these palaces for your afterlife. But I have heard too, you know, uh, from the, the, the strange people that I know and the circles that I grew up with, uh, you know, things like uh, uh, that are similar to that, but more in that in the afterlife, you essentially are creating your own reality. And this is not a new thought. I mean, this has been going, people have been thinking this for thousands of years. Um, but I do think that there is something to that, this idea of building um, you know, building that space that you occupy for, you know, whatever it is, maybe it's in between reincarnation, if not reincarnation, who knows what else. Um, 
Uh, so that, I mean, that to me, I guess, you know, AP seems, uh, th- uh, there's like weight to that, that seems significant. Um, oh, if nothing else, those connections. Better. Yeah. If nothing else, it's a wonderful metaphor for, um, right. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Transforming totally. into another. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so I, I want to hear more because these are really fascinating. You have really interesting paranormal experiences. Oh, <laughs> okay. So I'll dig up some more. Um, <laughs> I got, I, I had some more recent ones in the past couple of years, um, like disembodied voices. That that was pretty interesting to me where um, my, my, my line of work takes me to a lot of odd odd spots and there was one that I was in a hospital and I heard somebody call my name from right behind me and uh, turned around and there was nobody there Um, and I didn't I guess I didn't set that one up as well but it was just weird to me because I was in a locked room by myself uh, just trying to do some work and there was somebody walking by in the hallway and I heard it was just like a soft like woman's voice just saying my name very gently like and uh, hesitantly and for a moment like I knew I was the only one in the room so for a second I didn't even bother looking around then I'm like no nope that sounded like it was right behind me (laughs) (laughs) I turned around and uh, yeah nobody there Mm. Um, and I had had something similar like that happen in a church basement a few months earlier where uh I thought it was an electronic voice that was related to a um, alarm system that was in there because I kept hearing this beeping, but it was a voice that came out of a alarm clock radio that wasn't on and wasn't plugged in. It just came out of the radio speakers on it. Um, and it, just, it basically said either say or pray Hail Mary. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in the basement of this church and I'm just poking around in a basement and uh, I hear this electronic voice say, pray, pray, hail Mary right behind me. And I'm like, that's a weird thing for the alarm system to say, because, you know, I'm trying to play around with the sound in my mind. Like, could that have been system armed or, you know, <laughs> something that you'd expect to hear from from a uh, an electronic source? But um Come to find out the beeping I was hearing was from the smoke detector because the battery was dying. Mm. And uh, the only speaker in the room was this little alarm clock radio with the cord wrapped around it and um, the digital, like no power going to it, basically. But yeah, it came out of that speaker. Yeah. <laughs> so those are just two disembodied voice uh, experiences I've had in the past couple of years. I, I, I've occasionally had weird fire alarm things, and I've talked about some of those before. The most recent one just happened a couple of days ago, though. Uh, I woke up to a beeping, and I'm like, where's that coming from? I'm like, it sounds like a fire alarm. And so I I, pull, you know, I pulled up uh, the cameras I have around the house real quick, and I looked. And I'm like, nothing looks on fire, so that's good. And I got up, and I realized it was coming from the basement. So I went down to the basement, and there's actually two fire uh, alarms in the basement. The one I put in most recently... Uh, was beeping. Now, the basement, actually, at the moment, it has like a crosswind through it because I have the doors open trying to dry everything out still uh, because it just never dries down there. And so there's a wind going through the basement. There's nothing on fire. And this fire alarm's going off. And I tap it. It goes off. It stays off. I go back to bed. As soon as I fall back asleep, it starts beeping again. So I get up. I go downstairs. I tap it. It goes off. I take it down. I bring it upstairs to the library. I toss it on the shelf. I go back to bed. Half an hour later, it starts beeping again. I'm like, oh, come on. And it waited until I fell asleep to beep. And then I go in there, and the button's not turning it off this time. 
and I'm, I'm hitting it and I'm hitting it and I'm like, okay. And there it's, it's one of those that's supposed to last 10 years. The thing's not even a year old. Um, mm. And there's no easy way to open it. I literally had to rip the cover off of it and cut the battery wires to get it to shut up. Wow. And then wow. when I went back to sleep, I had a bizarre array of dreams for like the next half hour to 45 minutes where I didn't know if I was awake or asleep. Oh, those are the worst. <laughs> but also the most interesting sometimes. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I don't think that um, any electronics warranties or guarantees apply to you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not the weirdest uh, fire alarm story I have, but it's just like the fact, I mean, it very easily could have been defective. I opened it and when I opened it up, it was perfectly clean because that was the other thing I'm thinking, well, what if, you know, a spider got in there and made a mess uh, and that's right. what's setting it up. But no, it was pristine inside. I'm like, why are you ringing? But it was, it was the weird dreams that I had after I finally cut the wires that kind of stood out to me. Mm. Yeah. And I keep having dreams that it's snowing here in August. Huh. Like, I wonder what that means. I don't know. Three or four times I've I've had dreams where I look outside and it's snowing and I'm going, it's freaking August. What's going on? And everyone else is like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> wow. I hope that's not some sort of nuclear winter. That's where my mind went to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably going to read the news too much. Well, then I'm, right. then, I'm, then I'm looking at the weather for like this week and it's like, so it's like 85 during the day, 50 at night. I'm like, well, that's not that far off. Right. Wow. Yeah. Like, that's one hell of a jump. That's not that abnormal up here in New England, though. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's pretty par for the course up here. <laughs> so. so I'm thinking, you know, maybe if you had just the right weather system, it might maybe hail instead of snow. Right. You know, where you get the frozen stuff hitting the ground that almost looks like snow. I don't know. Oh, the other catastrophic thing it could be is a volcanic eruption. Right. That's right. just right. ashes. Yeah. Maybe ash. Yosemite yeah. finally uh, uh, rises and erupts. Yeah. <laughs> well, in, in the dream, it was definitely snow and nobody was particularly concerned. Hmm. Maybe that's just your uh, uh, your general feelings about uh, people ignoring <laughs> maybe <laughs> crazy weather. And one of them, I was just yeah. trying to take pictures so I could post it. I'm like, it's freaking snowing in August. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, so, you know what? Let's take a quick break and we'll come back and, and talk to AP Strange some more. Okay. I want to take a moment here and thank all of my Patreons for making Where Did the Road Go What It Is. I want to give a special shout out to those of you pledging $10 or more. Chuck Shutters, Leanne Cherry, Allison Cook, Super Inframan, 36 Dingo, CJ, Tim, Andrew Nichols, Christine, a blue second gen MR2 drifting around a Japanese mountain, Patricia Gaiaquinta, Alex Whitcomb, American Rambler, Andrew Maines, Barbara Fisher, Beverly Williamson, Big Boy Limina, Charles Davis, Charles in Florida, Land of the Crazy Incommunicable, Lauren McLean, Chris Ernst, Greg Parmenter, Crystal Ann Compton, Diane B., Edu Camahort, MTK, Eric Citron, Eric Todd, Jim Pyre, Joanna Rojas, John Bracken, Carla Mahoney, Anne Witowski, Kevin, Kevin Shrek, Cool Kitty, Kristen L, Laser Printer Jam, Linz Jackson K, Luke Osborne, MJ Armstrong, Jim and Sophie, Mark Brady, Matt in Delaware, Patricia W, Paul Jeffries, Ray Benedetto, Riker and Stark, Roger Gonzalez, Ron Dupre, Sam Sheron, Tactical Therapist, Taylor Bell, Thunderboy, Tyler Glimstead, Vincent Trewell, Walker, Will Gebhard, Will Powell, Ren Collier, 
Stephen D. and Amber Hall. Thank you all. All right, so we are back on this edition of Where Did the Road Go with Chris Ernst, Super Inframan, and AP Strange. And uh, I'm I'm still going to hit you for more stories here, AP. (laughs) Okay. Uh, More stories I can manage. Um, Let's see... How about poltergeist activity? Oh yeah, yeah. I know you're no stranger to that. Right? No, not not even slightly. <laughs> what about the rest of you guys? Not yeah. me specific. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, no. Go ahead, Chris. You go first, sir. Yeah. Uh, not specifically, um, uh, but it was one of the big things that I was really into when I was a kid. So I read mm. a lot about. Them. Yeah. Anyway, that was it. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, I read a lot about them because I was experiencing this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> as a kid. So, um, you know, because I used to think about it like I grew up in a haunted house, but um, the the poltergeist phenomena is so wide and varied. There's a lot of different ways it can manifest, and um, it seemed like it would follow me around, and it followed me even into adulthood um, to some degree. So um, it's one of those topics that it's just like it happened often enough that that it's really hard to to um, summarize briefly. But uh, it was a lot of your basic moving stuff, stuff moving around. Um, uh, the largest piece that moved was like a nightstand next to the bed. Kind of, uh, I left my bedroom and my cousin was right behind me. I turned around to say something to her and the nightstand that had been next to the bed was um, perpendicular to the ground and levitating about two and a half feet off the ground. Oh, wow. And when I turned and looked at her to say something, I saw that and then it dropped. <laughs> it just slammed into uh, onto the ground. Um, but it was like in the space of time, it took her to cross the threshold from a door, turned perpendicular and floated upward and then dropped. Um, that was probably the most dramatic because that thing was heavy, you know. Yeah. How old, uh, how old were you when this was going on, AP? That I was, I was probably thirteen or so. Okay. Um, <clears throat> my cousins would be over the house every day after school, mm-hmm. so yeah, we were probably like middle school, high school, like middle school going into high school age, maybe freshman in high school. Okay. Um, okay. But no older than that. But okay. um, uh, yeah, and then of course my mom come running up the stairs and yell at us for knocking <laughs> stuff over. So I got in a lot of trouble as a kid for stuff that the poltergeist did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you remember what you were doing with your sister uh, right before that one uh, significant event occurred? Oh, well, my cousin. But yeah. Um, Sorry. Uh, no, I mean, we just hung out all the time. You know, like like I said, uh, I had like three cousins that would be over after school every day um, and my brother. So my mom had her hands full anyway. But um, uh, no, we were just hanging out in the room and, and then we were going to go outside and hang out outside. So, I mean, that. No, I was kind of. Yeah, I didn't know if it was like you guys just had a fight or something like that. No, we were goofing off and laughing when it happened. Like I was, whatever I was about to say was a joke. Like I was turning around to continue the goofing off. We were laughing about something. Yeah. Okay. We used to just sit in the room and listen to music all the time, and then go outside and hang out outside. Yeah. Yeah. So. And uh, go ahead. I was just gonna say I like the the juxtaposition of that of you guys goofing off and having that experience because. Go ahead. Now, now, now that you point it out, though, it's kind of funny because that seemed like that was the way it always happened. We'd oh. be laughing and having a good time, and then something would interrupt it. Like I don't know, maybe the 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 <laughs> maybe we were annoying whatever that that entity was, you know. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, did, do, do you think it was coming for you, from you, or do you think it was something else? Um, over the years, I started thinking it came from me. I, I started thinking of it in terms of recurrent spontaneous combustion, uh, uh, psychokinesis. Yeah. Um, um, because, you know, I uh, when I was probably at the lowest point in my life after I dropped out of college and was working at a convenience store, uh, <laughs> stuff would happen at the convenience store all the time, and I'd be the only one in there. You know, mm -hmm. um, uh, and that's kind of like later than a lot of people have the effects follow them. I, I feel like the classic poltergeist story is uh, when you have a couple teenagers in the same place uh, or or pre-adolescent, you know, but then when they grow up, it changes and they never have it again. I mean, for me, it went well into adulthood. Um, I, I don't and think, the stuff. I don't know that that's that unusual. It's just that they don't tend to track it like that. Like there's there's definitely a. Uh, that that sort of puberty component that adds stress, but I think those people still have experiences later. They just they're maybe not as strong unless they're in a really stressful situation, and they may not connect yeah, it to the earlier ones. Yeah, and I mean the weird thing about that store too is. Uh, years later, I went in there um, and asked the kid at the counter, "Do you got? Do you ever see anything weird in here? Because uh, I used to work here and I'd see weird stuff." And he goes, "Oh, what? Like the slush puppy ghost?" And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "I was like, okay, all right. So you you see it too." Because I used to sit at the counter reading a book because I worked at night and uh, it was a small town and nobody would come in late at night. Um, be reading a book at the counter and then I'd hear like plunk, 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 plunk and look up and the coffee cups that were stacked on top of each other in a sleeve were like lifting off one by one and floating over and landing um, top side down on the floor. Huh. <laughs> and I'm just like, ah, like it was always just kind of annoying to me. It's like, oh, now I got to pick up these cups and throw them away. But, um, <laughs> but I guess this kid had seen the same thing with, with the uh, slushy machine. So, <laughs> Interesting. so who knows really every time you think you got stuff figured out um there's a new wrinkle you know <laughs> maybe you left a piece of yourself there could have been yeah sure uh, my favorite instance of it happening at work i worked in a cafe um and was telling some of these stories to uh the other barista on shift while we were closing up and he heard me out and listened to all the stories but then he was like, you know, he's like, it's not that I don't believe you and I'm, I'm not trying to call you a liar or anything, but I just don't believe any of that stuff is possible. So like there had to be an explanation, you know, there, there has to be a, a rational explanation. And I said, yeah, you know, maybe you're right. So I'd take the mop bucket and go off to mop the bathroom. And all of a sudden I hear like a huge clattering noise out in the um, dining area. Like he just dropped a bunch of stuff and, and he, <laughs> he's screaming. And I hear him just saying over and over again, very loudly, I did not do that. Um, <laughs> I come out there and we had a stereo behind the, the cafe counter with stacks and stacks of CDs that we could choose from to put on music for people in the cafe. And all of these CD jewel cases and CDs were all over the cafe. Like they had just <laughs> shot out all at the same time from that shelf and went all over the place. And he's standing there with his jaw dropped. And I said, well, there has to be a rational explanation for this. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And how did he, how did he feel about it after the fact that he just never mentioned it again? Um, well, as I recall, he got very, very stoned that night. And, uh, <laughs> I, th I think he erased it. <laughs> 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 um, but uh, 
yeah, that was uh, that was that was one of those like really great like vindication paranormal moments that you only dream of, where you're just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, have Have you ever had any like cryptid experiences? Uh, man, everybody asks me that, and I uh, I really wish I did. I really <laughs> wish I did, <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm not at the point of making up stories because cryptozoology yeah, was another big early interest of mine. Yeah, um, yeah. it's like. When I started reading about the poltergeist and stuff, maybe even before that, you know, like a lot of kids, I love dinosaurs. So the Loch Ness Monster sure. was like an obsession of mine. Oh, yeah, lo- yeah. And um, Achillium Bembe, like the, those stories, like, and the, and growing up in the 80s was a good time for that anyway, because we had a lot of movies that had, uh, well, you had like Harry and the Hendersons, um, mm-hmm. that yeah. That movie, Baby. Do you remember Baby? that movie? Yes. Yeah, totally. I remember that with the uh, Brontosaurus. That's yep. right. Hey, here's that was, one. This wasn't a cryptid uh, movie, but uh, do you remember the movie Explorers? Yes. Yeah. I think I, so. Yeah. I, w- I watched that just a few years ago, and it was still good. Yeah. That one was a big influence on me. Um, do you, you got you, others you guys don't remember? It's, it's uh, I want to say it was Robert Zemeckis or something like that. It was huh. one of those guys, um, and it was uh, uh, like River Phoenix and a couple of other kids, I think, yeah. of that age. And essentially, what they were was happening the the crux, you know, spoilers for a movie from 1984 or whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, they're getting transmissions from an alien source that's tail that tells them how to build what essentially amounts to this sort of um, uh, zero point force field that allows them to create rudimentary crafts that can then be uh, encapsulated in the force field and uh, launch into outer space where they meet up with the uh, alien ship. Yeah. But it was very like, um, it was taking all the sort of like current UFO stuff at the time and boiling it down into something that, you know, a grade school kid is going to dig. Now, was, was that the one that had the really weird aliens at the end? Yeah, who okay. ended up being like kids who had stolen their dad's spaceship. Yes, the ending yeah, was kind of yeah. a disappointment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it was still, it was, it was interesting in, in the respect that like they, they were creating this stuff. And like, I think it was a police officer saying that saw it. Right. And then when he finds it, it's just junk because the, the, yes. the, the technology they're using is not there. And he's like, I don't understand. Yes. Cause I said, I'm thinking this is so dead on to the paranormal, to UFOs, to all this stuff where you got like this weird thing happened. It's right here. And it, it's just normal stuff, you know? Yeah. That's always stuck with me in thinking about like, if somebody were to talk about the ETH, you know, hypothesis, and we're talking about that, you know, when we're doing the show with Miguel uh, a couple weeks ago, um, you know, if the if the uh, ETH hypothesis were something that, uh, you know, I were interested in sort of pursuing more, I feel like that might be the way to go down is is to think about, you know, nuts and bolts objects that are nothing like craft, but create something that allows for the travel that we see you know what i mean um uh which even you know even when uh people are getting down to nuts and bolts stuff it's still talking about it in terms of like uh the kinds of aircrafts that we have so you know something that is like a drone you know uh Mm -hmm. these these things that are these all encapsulated like you know egg pods that zoom around and not like i don't know uh a weird bar and then some stone wrapped in wire but if you put them together the right way they create a force field around you you can zoom around you know 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so I guess that brings us to any UFO sightings, AP. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I had one weird UFO experience that um, I, I really don't know how to account for it. It's kind of like a light in the sky sort of thing that uh, doesn't sound all that impressive. It wouldn't sound that impressive to me if somebody told me about it. But uh, it was I, it was just a weird thing. It was kind of in an area that some people refer to as Monsterland, I guess. Um, Monsterland? Yeah, it's uh, the Lemonster State Forest. There's this guy, Ronnie yeah. LeBlanc, um, who I think is on, he's on one of the Bigfoot shows. It might be Expedition Bigfoot, but he's from the Lemonster area. Um, and the the I guess they have a lot of Bigfoot sightings in there that are also they see like orange orbs associated with them. Hmm. Um, so what I saw was in a, a, a like a pull off area off of Route Two, uh, kind of near there uh, in Gardner, Massachusetts, and it was um, uh, it was like late at night. And at the time, I was always every weekend driving my son back to his mother's house. Uh, I'd get him for the weekend, and then I'd have to drive Route Two all the way to Vermont and back. Um, and this this uh, this one parking area was uh, like kind of the last leg of the journey. I'd get out, stretch my legs, and have a cigarette. And I was by myself, and it was like February. And it was about nine degrees out and the wind was really crazy. Um, worst kind of night to be driving where like your eyes feel sleepy because the heat's been hitting you in the eyes for two hours. Right. <laughs> but uh, I got out and looked up at the sky and um, I remember at the time I had gotten my son into the podcast. Um, Welcome to Night Vale. Mm -hmm. mm. So that happened to be what was queued up next in my podcast rotation. And um, uh, I saw this light in the sky just moving across the sky. It was like a red light, um, like, like almost like a laser pointer kind of light. And I was like, well, that's kind of weird. And I'm like, I don't know what that is, but, you know, it's just moving in a straight line. And I'm thinking to myself, if if it um, it's not as though it made like a 90 degree turn that without slowing down. And it did that <laughs> right, oh. just right after I thought that. And I'm yep. like, what? You got to be kidding me. And then it started doing like figure eights and like doing the falling leaf kind of zigzag. And I'm like, all right. It's like, what? Can this thing like read my thoughts or what? <laughs> what's going on? Um, so I didn't really know what to do with that. And like I said, it was very cold out. So I'm standing there watching it. I'm like, if this is a drone, that means that there's some drone operator out here in like nine degrees without counting the wind chill weather like 10 o'clock on a sunday night like yeah, yeah. <laughs> like doesn't really sound likely but um <clears throat> uh like right about that time there was that's when the welcome to night vale episode kicked on and it said um it was, it was the beginning of that episode had a line like uh, red light blinking in the sky. Um, like the future is uncertain. Yeah, something like that. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of the early episodes and uh, just Cecil's voice coming out of my car's speakers as I'm standing there looking at this red light in the sky, <laughs> talking about a red light in the sky. <laughs> That's beautiful. And I'm like, this is all just, this is all just too weird. You know, um, <laughs> Then I'm like, well, I guess I'd be remiss if I didn't try to get a video of it. And it was just too small. It just yeah. like wouldn't work. Um, and after a while, I just kind of got bored of it because it's like, what are you going to do? <laughs> so right, I left. Right. Um, but um, I, I couldn't stop thinking about it, really. And I had to tell at least my son and my wife about it. And um, I, like I said, I traveled that route all the time. So the next week when I picked him up, we stopped there together and it was there again. Hmm. 
And for a little while, it was like we kept seeing it in that one spot. And uh, I'm like, there's got to be something about this area. Like there's a reflection from like a nearby airport or something. I don't know. Um, but I went to pick him up at his friend's house in Marlborough, Vermont one night. And I saw it up there. <laughs> huh. Just the same red light doing the same kinds of maneuvers. And I, I had to like get my son's friend's mom to like look at it with me. Just so I'm like, you're seeing this too, right? Like, like that's not that's not a normal thing. It's just a red light that's doing loop de loops and circles and figure eights. Like, I, what could that possibly be? Right, you know? right. Yeah. Um, after a while, I went back to the restaurant rest stop, and they had installed a ton of lights. Like it used to just be dead quiet there, but they put up a bunch of lights over the parking spots. Mm-hmm. And after that, you couldn't really see the sky, so I stopped seeing it. Um, but huh. yeah, it was a it was kind of just kind of a weird red dancing light that I had these weird um, synchronicity kind of interactions with. Yeah, that's so. that that's the part that that's really kind of awesome. Yeah, I've had that increasing in my life over the last couple of years. I think um, you guys know Stephanie Quick. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. She's always doing like synchronicity style stuff and experiments with it. And um, I think ever since talking to her, because <laughs> we talk all the time, but the synchronicities just bump up to the point where it's oh, such yeah. a common occurrence that you're like, okay, well, I don't know. Should I should I mark that one down? Should I even bother recording these? Anymore? Right, right. Because <laughs> um, it's almost stupid how frequently it happens to me now. So Yeah. And, and a lot of times they're little synchronicities. Yeah, just little weird coincidences that seem like they probably shouldn't have happened. Yeah, or they happen a little too much. Right. Or if it happened in a movie, you'd be like, that's just sloppy writing. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Or lazy writing. Right. Uh, I had it happen the other day where I was complaining about the beat generation of writers uh, to my wife. Because, I don't know, like, might be an unpopular opinion. Might be a hot take. But uh, <laughs> I, I know a lot of people, there are people that are better fans, but I was yeah. basically complaining about the beats because I like poetry and I like literature and I could never really get into most of the beat stuff. Um, I, not for lack of trying. And I was complaining about it and uh, uh, particularly zeroing in on Kerouac and we're driving to the flea market. And um, I pretty much said my piece and finished my little rant about how overrated he is. And uh, the clip in between songs for some reason was a bit from a Kerouac poem. <laughs> it was just a recording of him reading a poem, and I'm just like, "Is this is this effing Kerouac right now?" <laughs> it just pops up on the radio right after I was talking about how much I really don't like his writing. <laughs> to a personal event, sounds like. <laughs> yeah, Kerouac just appeared yeah, from beyond the ego. The you know, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, oh. an unearned one, some might say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course, when you look at all this stuff, it, it's like we're just navigating through this field of like things, uh, like all this different stuff we're interacting with, and we don't know we're interacting with. Like some of it coming from us, some of it coming from outside of us, and it just kind of gels together in this picture where. Like, it's just weird to us because we don't know where it's coming from. And yeah. two things can look similar and be coming from different places. Yeah. You know, like yeah. The, the, I the think light, that's a healthy way. I was going to oh, say the good. light in the sky, you know, I mean, that alone, you could say, oh, that's just, that's a UFO. Someone might say it's an extraterrestrial, but you have the fact that it's interacting with how you're thinking. And then the, the synchronicity of uh, Cecil 
mentioning the light in the sky on Night Vale at the same time. Right. And it seems like more of a personal sort of interaction with something. Yeah. And so yeah. What, what part of that, and is, and is all that one thing, or is that one thing then being influenced by another thing, then being influenced by another thing, and coming together to form this picture that looks like it's one big connected thing, but in reality, it's just reactive. Yeah. I mean, this sounds like a pretty good unified theory of everything uh, that you're talking about. <laughs> synchronicity. I think it's a healthy way of looking at it, though, is that we're just moving through an information field that happens to also be phenomenal reality as we know it. Yeah. That also yeah. also happens to be stuff happening on different levels. Um, right. And like things rhyme and things bounce off each other and things react to each other. And I think basically, if you're out looking for synchronicities, you're probably going to start finding them, but they're really mostly going to be significant to you. Yeah. And it takes so much explanation to to parse out why it's significant to somebody else that um, by the time you're done, you sound like a crazy person. Or, <laughs> or they, or they're not even necessarily significant to you, other than the fact that they're synchronicities. Right. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think like what the way you explained it, I think is a very healthy way to approach it because if you start to really think about the world that way and notice these trends and not get too excited about it, not not go reaching for analogous things or or similar things or you know like oh this that thing over there could maybe be part of this. If you just kind of observe, you start to realize how much all these things kind of connect together in ways that uh, most people would never even really think about or consider because yeah. <laughs> people have their horse blinders, you know, they, and for good reason. I mean, it's productive to yes. really, uh, you know, I guess the, the, you, you, someone like me might uh, has had trouble in the past by not, not uh, focusing as much as I maybe ought to. But um, uh, yeah, a lot of people I think would start noticing how weird reality is if they would only sit and look at it that way. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. You were listening to Where Did the Road Go on WVBR FM Ithaca. Check us out on the web at www.wheredidtheroadgo.com. I want to take a moment here and thank all of my Patreons for making Where Did the Road Go what it is. I want to give a special shout out to those of you pledging $10 or more Chuck Shutters, Leanne Cherry, Allison Cook, Super Inframan. 36 Dingo, CJ, Tim, Andrew Nichols, Christine, a blue second-gen MR2 drifting around a Japanese mountain, Patricia Gaiaquinta, Alex Whitcomb, American Rambler, Andrew Maines, Barbara Fisher, Beverly Williamson, Big Boy Limina, Charles Davis, Charles in Florida, Land of the Crazy Incommunicable, Lauren McLean, Chris Ernst, Greg Parmenter, Crystal Ann Compton, Diane B., Edu Camahort, MTK, Eric Citron, Eric Todd, Jim Pyre, Joanna Rojas, John Bracken, Carla Mahoney, Ann Witowski, Kevin, Kevin Schreck, Cool Kitty, Kristen L., Laser Printer Jam, Linz Jackson K., Luke Osborne, MJ Armstrong, Jim and Sophie, Mark Brady, Matt in Delaware, Patricia W., Paul Jeffries, Ray Benedetto, Riker and Stark, Roger Gonzalez, Ron Dupre, Sam Sheeran, Tactical Therapist, Taylor Bell, Thunderboy, Tyler Glimstead, Vincent Trewell, Walker, Will Gebhard, Will Powell, Ren Collier, Stephen D., and Amber Hall. Thank you all so very, very much. We live our entire lives knowing that death awaits us. Many believe that some part of us endures. 
Eyewitnesses swear to have seen spirits of the dead haunting the living and even appearing during alien abductions. Is the UFO mystery reaching out to us from beyond the stars or from beyond the grave? This staggering implication demands not only scrutiny of the UFO phenomenon, but near-death experiences, ancient monuments, ley lines, the fey folk, cryptids, and more. I'm Joshua Cutchen. I'd like to invite you into the Ecology of Souls, a new mythology of death and the paranormal, a comprehensive theory of all things supernatural framed through the lens of our final transition. Join me as we journey from the depths of prehistory to the present, from the outer space of the cosmos to the inner space of the self. Ecology of Souls, Volumes 1 and 2, now available from Amazon in print and as a combined ebook. Welcome to the Ecology of Souls. Are you fascinated by UFOs, the occult, strange history, and more? On October 14th through the 16th at SIR Nashville, the Strange Realities Conference 2022 will take place. Three days of exploring the mysteries of the supernatural, history, UFOs, the occult, and much, much more. Featuring presentations by Steve Berg, Micah Hanks, John Tinney, Adam Gorightly, Tim Banal, Christopher Ernst, Samantha Engel, Recluse, Nathan Isaac, Melody Blackthorne, Dr. Future, Soraya Askath, Timothy Ritter, Aaron Gullius, Delaney Bowers, Olaf Phillips, and David Metcalf. With workshops by Kiki Dombrowski, Ren Collier, and Michael Hughes. Come join us in Nashville or online. Tickets are available at strangerealitiesconference.com. Find out what everyone is talking about. So, yeah. um, I want to do uh, a Patreon segment with you guys in a little bit here. Uh, I got a bunch of old, weird stories to talk about. But AP, you when we, when I was asking you about coming on, you uh, you had one in particular that's really crazy that you wanted to talk about. We have time, I think, for that right now. Yep. And okay. uh, the uh, the other thing I was going to say is that I'm going to have you back at some point. You, the book we were quoting from that was in the Mysteries of the Unexplained book, Alien Animals, you have and have read. Yep. And uh, a listener, Matt, uh, had sent me a copy of it as well. So we'll have you back and we'll, we'll pick some stories out of that book in a future date. Because, uh, yeah, that, that there were some interesting ones in the Mysteries of the Unexplained out, coming out of there. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's a really fun book. I think you'll like it a lot. So, yeah. Cool. Um, and, and Janet I, and Colin Board. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I have to thank Matt Festa for finding a copy. He read it and then he sent it to me. So, and how about that cover? Yes. The cover art on that book is phenomenal. <laughs> well, so. you're talking about just the picture of Nessie or Champ or whatever it is. Oh, maybe you have a different one than I do. Um, the one that I have has like it's basically like Bigfoot with an like an alien big cat jumping oh. out behind him, and like an owl man flying overhead, and Nessie's in the background. Yeah, it's got like a little of everything. This is it's like, like <laughs> this is a picture. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, that sounds it's really a, cool. It's an awesome book cover. Just Google. Oh, uh, I'm looking at. I'm, excuse me. I just. Uh, I just. 
it was it was so intense that I actually swore. I apologize <laughs> for that. Um, yeah, it's great. It's like a Frank Frazetta. It's like Bigfoot leading the uh, the 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 Avengers of cryptids. Yes, <laughs> this is fantastic. That's why I bought the book originally because I found a picture of it online. And I'm like, any book with a cover like that, I must own. So <laughs> I tracked down a copy and bought it. But um, yeah. So yes, yeah, so we'll have you back and we'll talk about. Yep, yeah, mine does not look like that. Wow, huh? The copy I have isn't even showing up. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe you got like a weird reprint or something. Maybe, but, yeah. Or maybe that was just the hardcover edition. I don't know. Well, anyway, but, uh, let, let, let's do this story here that 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 you have from the is it the eighteen hundreds? Yes, eighteen ninety five. Although the events took place several years before that, I guess according to the article. Okay. Um, no, this was actually that day that I had that Kerouac synchronicity. I went to um, the flea market, and there were—it's a hit or miss flea market. I don't always find stuff there, but this guy had a stack of old newspapers, and I bought a bunch on the off chance that there was something weird in them. And I got this one. It's a um, hold on. I got the name of the. It was the Saturday Blade from Chicago, Illinois, January fifth, eighteen ninety-five. Mm. So it's not too often I find papers from the eighteen hundreds at a flea market, so I had to buy them. Yeah. And uh, I found this story in it. <clears throat> and I think they really bury the lead by just the title is Green Moon. Yeah. Barely possible that it's made of sage cheese. Um, and then again, it might have its origin in the exuberance caused by too many absinthe cocktails. Anyhow, it's green and it reminds Greenburgers of the moon which some years ago shed a sickly light on Johnson's sawmill. So basically what they're leading with is the moon looked green for a lot of people. And I ended up finding that this was reported around the world at the time. Oh. The moon had a green hue. Okay. <clears throat> so something, I think it, something in the atmosphere, most likely. Right. And this was only a couple of years after Krakatoa exploded. Mm, so okay. I'm assuming mm -hmm. that's why. Um, but I guess this story came up because citizens of Greensburg, Indiana had seen the uh, green, green moon before, uh, for some time past, uh, well, not just a green moon, hold on to your hats. This one's a weird one. Yeah. For, uh, for some time past, a large green moon has been visible to the citizens of Greenberg. It can be seen between the hours of 10 and 12 at night. And it is the cause of no little excitement. It brings back to memory of the citizens a huge green moon several years ago, similar in appearance, which could be seen about midnight hanging apparently over the Johnson sawmill in the south part of the city. A strange phenomenon kept dangling back and forth high in the sky and seemed to be anchored to the mill shed by a large illuminated rope. It was a horror to all who saw it, and none dared to go near it. Finally, two boys, John Thompson and Willie Turner, who were known for their daring, decided to investigate the matter. They went together, climbed upon the shed, and at the same time, they both laid hand on the rope. They fell directly as if paralyzed and were found on the roof unconscious the next morning. When they get re regained consciousness, it was discovered that the hair on the right side of Turner's head, which was naturally black, had turned green, and that on the left side of Thompson's head had turned fiery red, was hot, and shot sparks out of it. Every 12 hours, the color of the hair would change, being vice versa. First Turner's red, Thompson's green, then Thompson's red and Turner's green. The boys became a wonder to everybody. Um, but one night, an angel appeared to the boys and bade them again to go to the mill, shed, and touch the rope. But they both arose from their beds and at the same time, in their sleep, went to the mill, climbed the shed together, and at exactly the same time, they both took hold of the rope. They instantly awoke and felt very curious and foolish at finding where they were. 
Upon touching the rope, their hair immediately changed to its natural color, and they went home sound in both body and mind. That That is seriously one of the craziest stories I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> it just keeps wow. getting crazier. Yeah, too. yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> wow. I should have saved my swear for that. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, like you sent it to me, and I'm like, oh, Green Moon, okay. And then I read it later on, and I was just like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> right? So then I looked on newspapers.com, and it seems like this exact story was pretty widely shared uh, verbatim at the time. Mm. And actually, a little earlier, other papers were sharing it. So it got to the Chicago Blade a little later um than some of the other ones but I, I i love the fact that i have it in actual print from the time yeah uh, you can find other clippings of it on newspapers.com from well uh 1894 because this was january so they were only like a month ahead or something like that but um the only difference i've found in any of the articles is that some of them have a line about like scientists and doctors coming up from cincinnati to um to look at the boys while their hair was a different color and <laughs> dubbing it a genuine phenomena. But uh, other than that, it's like that verbatim article made its way around. So I feel like I want to make a short film that just has that happen. Yeah, yeah why not? Right. You can make a really idea. cool, like artful film of just, just those events. Right, know? yeah. Like, like yeah. a 10, 15 minute thing. I mean, the, the, the obvious answer is that it's probably completely bogus. Like right, somebody just right. made this story up. But, um, <laughs> but it's, I don't know, it, like, I don't know what to make of it at all. If, if any amount of it is true, it's, it's pretty weird. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, such, it's such a crazy story to make up. Right. That, that was my thought on it too, because, uh, you know, we have a tendency to tell stories that have a beginning, a middle and an end with sort of a resolution of some kind. Right. And, <laughs> and I suppose the angel sending them back has some sort of resolution to it, but you know, right. it's, it's so like Out left place. Field. Like, yeah. okay. Yeah. It goes off the deep end and then just keeps going deeper. Like, <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, absolutely wild and way better than I ever, could have ever hoped to find in just like a flea market newspaper. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Wow. That's the I, kind of gold I'm always digging for right. and often come up short. So, you know, even if it's not a true story, it's a great story. Yeah. It's awesome. Like red hair that sparks fly out of. Yeah. On one side of the guy's head. <laughs> and well, I, mean, I, I keep thinking, go ahead, Sarah. I was going to say, even if it's made up, like you're saying, some parts of it may not have been. And they may right. have just, you know, the story may have gotten added to over time. Yeah, and I mean, as far as the angel goes, it seems implied that they both simultaneously dreamt an angel. Yeah, you know, because yeah, they yeah. wake up when they're on the shed roof. But um, yeah, right. But adding an angel into the mix is just like, <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't know what to make of any of that. I really don't. And then the angel came along and fixed everything. It's like, oh, okay, thanks. There's so many questions. Yeah, like every. Every part of that story just raises further questions. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Damn. That's a weird one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we will do a Patreon segment because I have a few not quite as weird as that, but some 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 weird stories we can talk about from back in the uh, you know couple centuries back in the 1800s. Doesn't seem like the 1800s was a couple centuries back, but it was. 
Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we will do that. And uh, where can people find you, AP? Oh, uh, I'm easy enough to find on Twitter. Um, my handle is a, the handle on there is related to my old name. So it's at a prodigiosis. But uh, if you just search AP Strange, I'll pop up. And then the blog is apstrange.com. Um, and those are basically the two things I do. So um, okay. you can follow Liminal Earth. I, I found their Wednesday night UFO thing. I think you just go to like wufo.com, maybe. Um, I looked it up. But yeah, liminal.earth is the website where you can, can do all that stuff. And I co-host a podcast lately called um, The Eternal Void, but with jazz, with uh, my good friend Shell. And uh, she and I have been releasing like one or two a month. Uh, you can look that up on any podcast player. And, and um, what does that consist of? Uh, it's an interview-based podcast. So we have guests on. most recent one is uh, Amy Blackthorne uh, in her book about um, magic protection, like psychic, psychic uh, self-defense, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's really cool. And we had the one before that we had Steph quick and professor Wham on to talk about Edgar Gores. So nice. yeah. Yeah, yeah, a lot of good episodes up there for you, your perusal. Nice. Okay. And people, uh, Chris, people can find you where, um, either here or at brightrectangle.com. All right. And, and super inframan can be found here. Yep. Yep. That are answering my super alert signal somewhere. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you all. All right. Thanks, Jeff. There is a Patreon segment for this show where we cover some old newspaper articles. Yeah, some very weird ones. Not quite as weird as the one that uh, AP Strange read in this part, but strange and interesting nonetheless. And if you want to become a patron, it's only $3 a month. It's been $3 a month since I started. I have no intention of... Uh, raising that price like everything else keeps going up but it's three dollars a month it helps out the show immensely uh i thank all of my patrons uh because you're the ones that that help me keep this thing going you get shows a week early you get extra content for almost every show and you get some bonus stuff and special little gifts in between as well also on the website there is merchandise there are shirts and uh the designs from two designs from jeff ritzman the late Jeff Ritzman, and uh, two designs from Tim Renner are all available on all kinds of stuff, from shirts to mugs to posters, whatever. Uh, just go to wheretotheroadgo.com and click on the store link or merch link, whichever one it is. It'll be obvious in the menu. You can also uh, check out shows all the way back to the very beginning, the very first show back in 2013. They're all up there on the website available for download or streaming. If you have any weird stories you want to uh, contribute to our listeners' stories, uh, drop them to stories at wheredotheroadgo.com. We will be doing a listener story show soon where we discuss listener stories. If you have experiences that you'd like to come on and talk about, uh, same thing, stories at wheredotheroadgo.com. If you're in a band or you make music and you want to submit stuff for me to use at the end of the show, that's contact at wheredotheroadgo.com, which is the general email to contact me at all our social media links are also at where did the road go.com and uh please give us a great rating or review on your favorite podcatcher or whatever spread the word if you like the show okay so to take you out tonight we are going to hear something from ap strange under the name cowboy matt hopewell this is off his cd welcome to the future 
And we're going to hear the opening track uh, called New Old School. And uh, if you like this, he has a whole album's wor- album worth of stuff available on CD Baby. Link will be in the notes, as always. And thank you, everyone. I'll see you next time. <laughs> Yeah.
You have been listening to Where Did the Road Go? This show is made possible in part from our Patreons, and we thank you and everyone listening for helping us continue this exploration of the strange. You can always find everything Where Did the Road Go related at www.wheredidtheroadgo.com. And thank you so much for your support.